Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Episode 81 of the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast is on the air. I'm Mark Shanowski alongside is Stacey King, and Timmy Whispers is going to join us in a little bit. He's in a big-time, high-level business meeting right now, so we don't want to disturb him. He might be moving the uh, the face of the earth right, even as we speak, Stacey. Yeah, uh, he's working on a big <laughs> deal right now, so uh, I'll be interested to see how that turns out for him at the end of the show. If he walks in here with a glass of beer and a big smile on his face, we know that it went well, right? Not necessarily, because he always comes in with a beer and a smile, so you don't know if it's a, a good thing That's or a bad true. thing. So That's true. Yeah, so we, we hopefully it's a good thing for him. Well, we are recording this show, and it's also coming live on Twitch TV. We want to say hello to all the people who are in the Twitch chat watching us live doing the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. If you would like to join, uh, we are at Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast on Twitch TV, and obviously this is only our second week uh, in this platform. We're going to hope to grow as we continue to go along as we learn the technology. We want to thank our great crew who's helping us out, uh, making sure that uh, all the technical things are done. We're also going to have our traditional podcast available, audio and visual, on YouTube. So, Stacy, bigger and better things, and we're trying to get with the times uh, by by going on Twitch. It's an exciting new concept. Well, you know what, Mark? I was already with the times. Okay, so <laughs> you know, there's a, there's some other people not with the time, but I've always been with the time. And uh, you know, we we jumped on this Twitch thing, and you know, everything steps, everything's yeah. levels, kind of like the Bulls. You know, you get to the first round next next year, you want to try to get to the you know Eastern Conference Finals. There's levels to this, so uh, we're having a good time. Shout out to my my little crew from Harper. That's right. We got Dangerous D. We got Nikki Knuckles. We got Cisco, <laughs> and I ain't talking. About, I ain't talking about the thong song, Cisco. And we got Maddie, and we got Maddie Ice uh, doing the social media. So shout out to those guys. They're doing a hell of a job for us. So is Nikki like Nikki Knuckles? It's kind of sinister sounding. Right. Well, you know what? I, I, I met him. I met I met this whole crew over at Harper. I was doing yeah. a uh, something for their class, and um, you know he said he's a comedian. That's and right. So yeah, he yeah. wanted he wanted a nickname. So, you know, I told him you got to earn a nickname. That's right. Can't just ask for one. But I ended up giving him a nickname anyway. <laughs> well, tonight is going to be game one of the NBA finals. As I mentioned, this is Thursday, June 2nd that we're here at the Hustle and Flow studio. And it's been a long wait, it seems like. Uh, Golden State took care of business a little bit earlier than the Boston Celtics, who had to go seven to eliminate the Miami Heat. 
But when you look at this up and down, really equal. I mean, Boston is number one in the league in defensive rating. Golden State's number two. They both have multiple options where they can come at you scoring-wise. This has all the makings of a really good series, Stace. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people, there are some people that think that Golden State's going to win, and they're going to win easily. I don't think so. No, uh, this no. is a This is a Boston team that can score the basketball. They also can defend. They have length. Uh, they did a great job. They split one and one this year with, with Golden State. Uh, pretty much beat them handily the game that they won. They held them under 37%, uh, 22% from the three-point line, did a great job. That's I think that's when Curry got hurt. Yeah, uh, Marcus Smart, Smart rolled, up on, he rolled up on his ankle. <laughs> Steve Kerr yeah. wasn't happy about yeah, that. Steve, Steve Kerr wasn't happy about it, but I, it wasn't a dirty play. No, it was just I a hard, so hard play by Mike, yeah. Marcus Smart. Uh, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to defend. They're gonna have to get out to the three point line. The one thing about Golden State, Mark, that gives so many teams problems is the movement without the basketball. Yeah. They don't just stand and, and wait for the ball to come in the corner to jack up a three. They're constantly setting back screen, back screens, getting guys open, rolling to the basket, dive cuts, and you also got Clay Thompson now that's got his legs underneath them. That that's the X factor to me is how well he plays. He's been shooting the ball lights out for them uh, in the playoff series in the Western Conference, and he's. A guy, I think if he keeps shooting the ball the way he does, it could be a long night for Boston. And a lot of people think if you don't watch a lot of Golden State Warriors basketball, you just think, well, it's the Splash Brothers. It's Clay Thompson and Steph Curry just launching threes. And of course, Jordan Poole has really come into his own this year. But a lot of those those motion things you're talking about are designed to get layups, back cutting, nice bounce pass, and, and just lay it in. They're not just a three-point shooting team. Well, you know, Steve Kerr's is kind of a, a disciple from Greg Popovich's movement and Phil Jackson's triangle. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of those offenses implemented in there. Um, there's not a lot of stand around. And, you know, the one guy that really makes it go that I don't think gets a lot of credit is, is Draymond Green. Draymond Green, when he was out the lineup, they were a different team. You know, they lost some games. They didn't play well. They didn't get those easy shots. That they did. When he's out there on the floor, he's the facilitator. He's the point forward. He take he allows, you know, Steph Curry, Poole, Klay Thompson to operate without the basketball. So they can run down the floor, get to the three-point line, set a back screen, pop out. You get lost because you got to, you know, you got to play the guy who dive cuts. And so they got so much movement and, and so much action in their offense. It, it sometimes confuses teams. Boston certainly had a tougher path to get to the finals. They faced Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the Brooklyn Nets in round one, and they swept them. But then they had to go seven games to beat the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks, seven games to eliminate the Miami Heat. How much of a toll physically might that take on the Celtics? Uh, I don't think it's going to take a toll at all because you're playing for the championship now. You right. know, if this was, you know, if this was later in you know, second round, maybe. Um, but I think now that once you get to the finals and you got here, they understand what it's all about. They're looking for banner number 18, they understand what the task is. They got to be focused. Um, I think what gives them an advantage is their bigs. You know, their bigs are able to switch out and guard guys. Al Horford looks just rejuvenated. Yeah, he you know, did a nice job yeah, on Giannis and then Milwaukee. Did series. a really nice job. And you know, you got, you know, you got, you know, Grant, you've got, you know, Williams. Those guys are really, really good. They can run at you different ways. And the good thing about them in this series is is they're going to be able to switch on pick and rolls. They are going to be able to stay. You're not going to be able to stay in front of, you know, Jordan Poole and, and, you know, Steph Curry because their range is unlimited. You're going to have to get up on them, and you're going to have to force them into drive, and that's where help defense comes in. Once once they beat those big guys off the dribble – Somebody has to step up and stop dribble penetration because we're so so used to seeing the Golden State Warriors get those layups from 30 feet. You know, you see Steph Curry coming in doing the scoop shot layups. You cannot have that in this series. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the benches contribute. You know, in previous series, there were so many star players injured. It's nice to hear in this series, none of the key guys are out. Robert Williams the third is still hurt a little bit in terms of his knee. He's not as explosive as he was during the regular season. But Golden State is getting Gary Payton the second back. He had that fractured yeah. elbow. He's making a quick return. The former Bull, Otto Porter, is coming back from a foot injury. And Andre Iguodala is also there. So basically, it's all hands on deck, which means no excuses. Let the best team win. And there's always going to be somebody that comes off the bench that has a big series who do you think might be that x-factor that underrated player that people aren't talking about right now well i mean for boston i i'm kind of thinking it's going to be al horford mm -hmm. you know al horford being able to stretch the floor knock down threes you know you're going to force draymond green outside the paint which is going to open up driving lanes for tatum and brown you know, we know what those two guys are going to do. They have to play at a high level. If, if Boston's going to win this series, those two guys have to play like all-star caliber players. Smart, he's that third guy for them, and I think it's Horford. Horford's the key for, for Boston. And for, you know, for Golden State, I say Wiggins. You know, Wiggins, to me, uh, has been playing phenomenal. He made the all-star team this year. Um, I thought in all the series that he played, I mean, you can switch him out on anybody. And he is comfortable being the third or fourth option. You know, he wasn't comfortable being the number one or two option in Minnesota, but he's much more comfortable being that third or fourth option in Golden State's offense. And when you see your fourth option, who's an all-star caliber player, boy, that's tough to match up with. Yeah, and he's played excellent defensively, did a really good job on Luka and, and played well throughout the playoffs. And, and he's going to have the assignment of guarding Jason Tatum, who really emerged in that Miami series, you know, his first team All-NBA Jason Tatum's only, what, 24 years old, but he's, he's, he's a legit superstar in this league. Well, I mean, listen, you know, both those guys early in the year, you know, they were talking about splitting those two guys up because yeah. they weren't playing well together. They were, you know, it was your turn, my turn, alternating and, you know, uh, possessions. And they just didn't seem to get along. The chemistry was bad. And uh, give uh, Yudoka a lot of credit. As a rookie and, coach, and a too. rookie coach yeah. as, and his staff, they really, you know, got these guys to understand what this is all about. You know, everybody wants to be the star. You know, everybody wants to be the superstar. Everybody wants to be, you know, when everything is going good, you know, that's when most of these guys want to be the guy. Because, you know, when, when everything's going good, you scored 30 points and you're winning and, you know, you played well, that's when some of these guys want to be the guy. But it's when you're not playing well and your team is not doing well, can you do other things? And do you mind sharing the light? with other players. Mm -hmm. See, and that's what, that's what I think is a lot of problem in this league is that you look at these two teams getting to the finals, they're very unselfish. They don't care who gets off. They don't care who scores. You think Steph Curry is sitting there going, well, boy, if Klay Thompson goes for 37, I'm going to be mad. No, right, he's right. like, man, we're trying to win. If you get off, if it's your night tonight, we're going to feed you. And, th and that's why these teams are in the finals. Unselfish basketball. They don't care who scores. Just win by all means necessary. Before we move on to talk about the Bulls and their offseason plans, want to throw a little bit of a bouquet to our old buddy Jimmy Buckets, who, remember last week we were talking about the fact that he had struggled in the middle games because his knee was really bothering him. Well, he said he talked to Dwayne Wade, and Dwayne Wade said, hey, forget about that. you got to put it all on the line. And Jimmy comes up with 47 points to win Game 6 in Boston to force the Game 7. He had 35, and he took that three that might have won the game for him. Some people were criticizing him. I thought it was, it was a great shot in the flow of the offense there. Well, you know, the way I looked at that shot is he's their best player. He was the only one really playing. The only the one. The only one playing the last two games. 
And you could tell that Jimmy was going for the win because yeah. you could tell that if they went to overtime, I don't know if he would have had enough to be yeah, able to yeah. to play at the level that he needed in overtime. And I think in his mind is like, hey, look, man, this is how legends are made, you know. And he's one of those guys. He doesn't shrink from the moment. He didn't shrink from the moment when he was here. He doesn't mind taking big shots. He doesn't mind taking that responsibility. Like, hey, I missed it. It's my fault. He stood up like a man and said, hey, look, my teammates thought it was a good shot. The coach thought it was a good shot. I thought it was a good shot. I just missed it. And if he would have made that shot, you know, he took a lot of criticism. But who else would have taken that shot? You had Hero out. You had, you know, you're not playing Duncan Robinson, so all your legitimate three-point shooters are not on the floor. And Horford dropped back. He picked him yes, up in transition, got, basically gave back. him yes, that shot. Get, well, when you're shooting 20-something percent going right. into the finals, right. going into the playoffs, they're going to let you shoot that shot on play the percentages. But yeah. Jimmy had hit a lot of big shots in that series. He's, he carried him pretty much the whole mm -hmm. playoffs. And I, I'm, I'm comfortable with him taking that shot. I mean, you know, it, it's in transition. You're in the flow. It's like, hey, you're feeling it. You've come down and hit a couple of buckets to get back in the game. And then it's like, hey, Jimmy Buckets. You know, Jimmy G Buckets. The G stands for gets. He was trying to get the bucket. <laughs> now, people can be mad at him. But, hey, not too many guys would have would have taken that shot. They, they, would have, they would have probably, you know, wilted under that moment. He didn't. So for the Miami Heat and 27 other teams, it's wait till next year. Look ahead to the NBA draft and free agency. How can you improve your team to maybe close the gap on the teams that made it to the finals? It's three weeks away from the NBA draft. That's going to be held June 23rd. The Bulls have the 18th pick. They do not have a pick in the second round at this point. So you know that AK and Mark Eversley are going to try to identify a guy that can really fit into their system. And we got a special treat for you coming up in just a few minutes. Jay Billis, the lead college basketball analyst for ESPN. Just an outstanding, outstanding analyst. Yes, he is. He's does so much work in preparing for the draft. He'll give us uh, some insight into the top college players and also some guys that might be around when the Bulls are picking. And Stacy, and looking at it now, one of the guys I like at 18 is EJ Liddell from Ohio State. He's a little bit undersized. He's 6'7", but he's got a 6'11 wingspan, and he really improved his three-point shooting. I think he'd be a nice fit with the front line the Bulls have got put together. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they, they do need depth at the power forward position. Um, you know, he does provide that. He's a big, strong kid that can rebound. He can defend. He can switch out and guard smaller players. Uh, he can block shots. Um, so he would be, you know, he would be a good choice there. Um, there's also some other guys there. You know, you, you've got the kid Easton from LSU. Yeah, he's nice. He's got the 7'2 uh, wings span it like six nine i mean that's whew, and he's athletic he's big he can play multiple positions um as you know in this league it's all about versatility it's all about how many how many guys can you put on the floor that have length you know link bothers people especially with this three-point shooting that we have now in this league you have to have bigs that can step out there and and disrupt team's offense when they want to play that spread pace and, and you know space type offense so he's a good one you know we keep thinking about mark williams but i don't think he's gonna no be he'll be, he'll be yeah, long he's, gone he's gone he's <laughs> gone but there's there's a ton of guys you know uh the you think abaji would be gone too right from kansas there's a possibility there's a possibility he could be down there at 18 mm -hmm. um he, he i like that kid i think yeah. he plays hard. he's a winner um you know he, he defends he's he's gonna be, i think he's gonna have the opportunity to be a very good two-way player um, there's a couple of guys in that in that draft, you know, that I, I think's got a good chance. You got um, the kid Patrick Baldwin Jr., who probably should have stayed in school, but he's coming out. He wanted to play yeah. for his dad. He wanted yeah. to play for his dad. Didn't turn out the way he did turn out no, the way he wanted. No. Um, but he's a talented kid. He's got good length. He can shoot the basketball. Kind of slow release. Um, but he's a guy that I could see, you know, giving somebody some really really good minutes as a rookie next year. 
What if a kid like uh, Malachi Branham, the f- uh, freshman from Ohio State, falls a little bit? The Bulls don't need a guard, but when you're picking at 18, you just go for the best prospect and not worry too much about position? Yeah, I mean, if he's the best, I mean, depending on where they have him on the on their board. You know, mm-hmm. if, he's, if he's up there high on the board and, you know, they projected him higher, you know, to go somewhere in 1 through 15, and then he possibly slips and he's the best available player on the floor, it's kind of like the NFL. You know, you, you take the best athlete, you take the best player at that position, and you bring him on your squad. Um, but I, I just like in, in drafts, you know, you know, past drafts, Mark, there's going to be guys that drop. There's going to be guys who are supposed to be a top 10 pick. I mean, you go back to Bobby Portis when he was at Arkansas. Bobby Portis was projected a top 10 pick, and then he slipped all the way down. I mean, there's been stories about this all about, I mean, you've seen it every year. You know, guys yeah. who are projected high you know, end up being, you know, going later than what they were supposed to. And uh, teams are able to scoop them up. And then the teams who pass on them regret not drafting them. We'll ask Jay Billis about this in a few minutes. But the uh, decline of the back-to-the-basket center is just overwhelming. I mean, you look at a kid like Kofi Coburn from Illinois. He oh. averaged like 22 points, 11 rebounds. It's a dinosaur. Back in the 80s or 90s, he might have been a top 10 pick. He might not even get drafted. Listen, America. I know we've we've gone into the three-point shooting. Somebody's <laughs> going to have to be bold. Someone's going to have to say and buck the trend. It's going to take one coach who says, you know what? The big man is still, you know, the the top of the food chain in this in the NBA. And if he's a good big man that can that run the floor, you know, that's the thing about Clark Martin. Can he run the floor? Can he consistently get out on defense? Can he block shots? Can he do those little things? Because a team like the Bulls need a guy who's a rim protector. Okay, if he can do those things and rebound the basketball, can switch out defensively and be able to stay in front of a guard two or three multiple slides and then Mm -hmm. hustle back and protect the paint. That's a great pickup for the Bulls, you know, but as far as his offense is concerned, um, the Bulls wouldn't need him to score. All we need you to do is when we run a pick and roll, you roll to the basket, big fella, dunk at home. You know what I'm saying? That's all you would need. You don't need him shooting threes. There's certain guys on your team that you have that for. But your big guy, I, I like to see the back to the basket. I like to see the dominating big man because as DeMar DeRozan proved this year, the art of the mid-range jumper is back. Right. You know, everybody yeah. now is going to be trying to shoot mid-range jump shots because here's a guy who's you know almost averaged 30 points a game shooting mid-range jumps, shooting three, three or four threes a game, and he kind of debunked all the, uh, you know, all the the analysts and all the people on the side who say you know you got to shoot threes, you got to shoot threes. No, you don't. You can still get 30 shooting, you know, and have a higher percentage shot and 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 be much more effective shooting you know, high percentage shots than those gambling at the three, unless you're Steph Curry, Jordan Poole, or Clay Thompson. <laughs> so we'll have a lot of draft talk coming up with Jay Billis. Uh, but before we bring Jay in, uh, as the world turns, it's the longest-running uh, NBA soap opera. Where will Zach Levine end up next oh. year as fans wait breathlessly? <sighs> and the latest news uh, today was from Brian Windhorst from ESPN saying that what he's hearing is that Zach isn't looking to leave Chicago at all. So it's just really, it's just a question of negotiating the best deal. Zach would, and his representatives would like the full five-year max, and most likely the Bulls will offer it, and uh, we're done. Yeah, and I, I read something, I think it was on Bleacher Report today, where uh, I don't know if Cap had mentioned it, but they, he was, they were saying that there are some people in the organization, the Bulls Yeah, that was David Kaplan. Yeah, 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 that doesn't, you know, that don't believe that, you know, Zach has that dog in him to pay him max, and then there's other people in the organization who wants to pay him max. Yeah. I, I don't believe that. I, the Bulls have made it very clear that they want Zach back. 
There has not been any indication that they're not going to pay him the max. They've never said that. AK has been upfront and honest. Michael Reinsdorf came out. The owner came out and said that. So if the owner is saying that, yeah. then everybody, because everybody has to answer to Michael Reinsdorf and Jerry. Those guys are the ones making those decisions. And if they're on board with it and they say, we're going to play, we're going to pay whatever it takes. If it's the max, it's the max. So uh, he's not going anywhere. It, it's going to be his choice. You know, he's going to be the guy at the end of the day that makes a decision whether he wants to come back. It won't be because the Bulls didn't want him back. And Zach had the minor arthroscopic knee surgery to clean up what was going on. It was causing pain in his left knee, but he's 27. It's not like that's going to be an issue where it's going to limit his career. No, and, and this is a guy who came back from an ACL injury and, and looked better coming back from an ACL injury than he did before he hurt it. So, uh, and Zach is going to work himself into shape. He's going to make sure that he's 100% when he comes back. He's going to do all the necessary things to be the player that we've all seen the last few years. He's not going to cut corners. He's not going to not go to rehab. He's not going to do those those things. That, you know, when people say, oh, he never showed up for rehab. But no, that's not Zach. Zach's a gym rat. He'll be back full strength, and he'll come back with something to prove. And Zach is also very well-liked in NBA circles. The Bulls are going to be operating with a limited flexibility in terms of what they can do in free agency. If they do sign Zach to a max, as we fully expect, they're going to get into the luxury tax territory, which means their mid-level exception is less than what the non-tax teams. It's about $6 million and change, which will limit the kind of players you can go after. But still, if there's vets out there that want to be in a winning situation and want to team up with guys like Levine and DeRozan and Vucevic, they may take a little less money to come to Chicago. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, when you get to a certain point in your career, you know, year eight, year nine, and you haven't been, you know, you haven't been deep into the playoffs, you had not had an opportunity to win, you know, you start to say, hey, look, I'll take less money to go to a place where I'm happy. There's a good team there. It's a great city. Uh, and they got a good front or, uh, front office. And that's the one thing that's been different than, than in the past is that the perception of the Bulls and what they're doing now compared to what they were doing years ago, is totally different. Players look at, you know, Chicago totally different now. You know, before, you know, it was hard to get free agents here. It was hard to get guys coming to play here because, first of all, the pressure of playing in the house that Michael built. You know, that pressure, you know. And, and you know, nowadays these kids want to pair up with two or three guys because they don't want that responsibility. But that's not the case now because you look, you get a Vooch comes here, an all-star caliber player. You know, DeMar was a free agent that came here. You know, Lonzo Ball, you know, Caruso. You've got guys now here that are that you know are friends because everybody talks in the NBA, Mark. Everybody talks, and and I've heard Demar say this. You know, people ask him what it's like playing in Chicago. I love it. It's the one. It's the, one of the best cities I've ever played in. Um, the crowd is great. The fan support is great. And so other players want to hear that. Like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, they're doing something special in Chicago. And AK did an interview uh, overseas that I saw. Uh, there's a quote from on Twitter where he mentioned that. We have to do more, that what I did wasn't good enough, that the city of Chicago deserves a championship, and I want to bring that to him. So he's not going to be sitting back in his in his office thinking, well, I did enough. We have a competitive no. team now. He, he, no. he wants to bring another championship to well, Chicago. Well, and this is why Bulls Nation is going to love AK, because he's aggressive. He, he goes up there. Man, he's like Kyle Swarber, man. He's trying to hit a home run every single time he goes up there. Um, he's going to make this team the championship caliber team that – We've all grew up watching or I played on. You know, you've got to, this is a storied franchise. This is a this is a dynasty. This is a team that won six titles in eight years. Really should have been eight. So, you know, 
Uh, when you walk into that building and you walk into that, you know, United Center, you see the fan base that the Bulls have, you know, worldwide, not just in Chicago, but outside of Chicago. I mean, we go anywhere. I mean, people are excited. It's coming to France. That's right. You know, I mean, yeah. seriously, like yeah. the, you, you, I mean, I, on Twitter, I mean, I can't tell you how many people from France is so excited to have the Bulls. We can't wait for you to come, you know, boom, boom. I mean, this is a worldwide phenomenon of a team. So, you know, uh, yeah, Michael created that. The Bulls championship teams created that. But this is a big-time brand, man. People love to see this team win. And the NBA, when, when the Knicks are playing well, Boston's playing well, and the Bulls here in the Eastern Conference are playing well, the NBA's right. When you get those three teams playing well, the NBA's good. So for those of you out there, Bulls fans, that are thinking, oh, we don't have any money under the cap and we're picking 18th, <laughs> hey, AK is like that riverboat yeah. gambler. He, yeah. he, he is going to throw all in to yeah. try to win that big pot. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that, America. Okay, yeah. Bulls Nation, they trust AK, Mark Eversley, J.J. Polk in the process. They got, hey, they got I.O. last year. No one thought I.O. was going to fall that far. We got I.O. in the second round. Only had one pick in the second round. This year, we got a first round. Pick. That's right. Okay, we don't, got the, we don't got a second round pick. They got, they got taken away from us. You know, that's terrible. They, they, yeah. you know, they try to get us. They, they try to keep us down, baby. But we still got a first round pick. And they, I trust AK. Listen, at the end of the day, you know, your core group you got coming back. You know, Zach comes back. Your core group is solid. Yeah. Now you just got to get you know, those pieces, just like Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause used to do. You know, we got our seven or eight guys. Now we have to build around those seven or eight guys. Right. That's how you get a championship caliber team. That's what Boston has done. Boston has got their core group of guys. They went out and brought Al Horford back from Oklahoma City, who was on ice like a caveman. Oklahoma right. City wasn't even playing him. <laughs> he was on a milk yeah, carton. Yeah, he didn't know where he yeah, was. Yeah, they, they didn't release him. They just let him, you know, hang out in Oklahoma City. And, yeah. you know, he's come back. He's thankful playing. And they've kept their core group together. They went back and got Tice back. And, you know, they got that whole group back. And, you know, you got to get some continuity. You got to get some – a team has to jail. And that's why I'll be interested to see this team next year with – not only what we ended the season with, but with a bunch of new players, you know, some specialty guys, a three-point shooter, a rim protector. They'll go get those guys because you got to remember this. Everybody can't get paid, Mark. That's Every, right. Everybody not everybody's get, getting a huge contract. Not everybody's yeah. going to get a huge contract. Yeah. So you are going to find some guys out there who have to get that mid-level exception. And the Bulls, once again, are an attractive destination for NBA veterans out there looking for a chance at the ring. As we mentioned, coming up next, we're going to talk NBA draft with ESPN's lead college analyst, Jay Billis. So stay tuned. I want to thank everybody who's with us on the Twitch stream. If you got a question, put it on the chat, and uh, maybe we'll pass it along to Jay Billis. So episode 81 of Gimme the Hot Sauce rolls on, but before we go to break, I want to tell you about our great friend, great sponsor, Jeff Vukovic. When it comes to insurance for your auto, home, and business, make sure you contact the king of insurance. That's our friend, nationwide agent, Jeff Vukovic at jeffvuk.com. That's jeffvuk.com. And Stacy, how are the Golden Pipes doing today? Nationwide is on your side. <laughs> the Golden Pipes! The Nationwide Jingle, always in, in mid-season form. So coming up next, Jay Bellis joins us. Episode 81 of Gimme the Hot Sauce. Episode 81 of Give Me the Hot Sauce rolls on. It's now our pleasure to welcome in the best basketball analyst in the land, 
That is Jay Billis. You see his work on ESPN. He's busy preparing for the NBA draft, which is three weeks from today, and Jay will be front and center on all the network's coverage. Jay, thank you for joining us. And I guess my first question is, you and Stacy came up about the same time in the mid to late 80s. What did you know of, of Stacy King, the player, when you were at Duke? Plenty. Uh, we played Oklahoma uh, when I was in college before Stacy got there. But then when, when Stacy got there, that's when you saw how points were scored. Uh, <laughs> those, those guys, I mean, I thought they were, I thought they were really good when, when we played against them, when they had, you know, Tim McAllister and all those guys, Wayman Tisdale had just left by the time we played Oklahoma at our place, but uh, the offense, right. They scored a ton of points, but the offense really ratcheted up uh, with Mookie and Stacy. It was a different, different deal. That was, that was sort of the uh, uh, pre Loyola Marymount, but, but just about <laughs> that kind of pace. You know what, you know, what's really funny, Jay, cause I, I was, I was considering Duke, um, you know, my senior year in high school because I got recruited by Carolina and they offered me a scholarship my junior year, but they didn't want me to go on any of my college visits. They wanted me to commit because they only had two scholarships a year and I didn't commit. And I said, well, if you recruit me my senior, I'm going to be a lot better my senior year than on my junior year. And they said, well, we don't know if we'll have a scholarship for you. So <laughs> I started looking in the ACC of who's going to play Carolina and who's going to give Carolina who I have the best chance to be on to beat Carolina. So I was looking at Maryland. I was looking at Duke, Wake Forest with Anthony Tichy and those guys. Um, Virginia was kind of kind of on the way down because Samson and, and Lamp and all those guys left. But, yeah, Duke was Duke was on the come up. It's Johnny Dawkins, you, David Henderson. Y'all had a nice little squad. We wound up being pretty good. You know, we won 37 games our senior year and were number one, went to the title game. We lost to Louisville. But, geez, Stacey, if this was today, you wouldn't be messing with the scholarship. You'd have NIL deals <laughs> oh. and collectives after you. It'd be a whole different ball game, man. You'd be you'd be the car dealership asking, you know, picking <laughs> picking out which not which one, which ones you wanted. Yeah, you know, we had to do a lot of that under the table back in the day, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is there statute of limitations? Yeah, oh, I think you're okay, Stacey. Yeah, I think this you're safe. It's been thirty years, baby. Give me a break. <laughs> hey, Jay, it's a tale a tale as old as time. Uh, Stacy was almost all set to go to Maryland. He, he loved Len Bias. He wore thirty four because of Len Bias. Is that right, Stacy? Yep, yep. And and uh, what happened was. It was a girl, and he ended up staying home and going to Oklahoma. How often does that story happen, right, Stace? Hey, man, you didn't need to tell everybody this. <laughs> first of all, first of all, you didn't need to let everybody know. Sounds like a smart know, decision to yeah, me. It, it, it was at that time, and we ended up breaking up uh, before the first semester, so you know, I kind of got stuck in Oklahoma. So, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Mark, you're not supposed to tell everybody that story. Man. Well, I thought Jay would appreciate that. You know, it, the ins and outs of college recruiting, sometimes it's just, it's just personal relationships that change everything. A woman, man. Common tale. Common uh, tale. A, a woman, man. They, they bring down, they, they brought down kingdoms. <laughs> Well, let's let's jump into the draft since I went into uncharted territory there. Uh, it's it looks like we have a consensus top three, and then it's who do you like after that? But uh, Orlando is going to have to make a decision at two. Uh, what do you think? How do you think it's going to fall? The top five, Jay. You know that's a good good question. I mean, I'm not even sure it's three anymore. I think it's coming down to Jabari Smith of Auburn and Chet Holmgren of Gonzaga, and they're two very different players. But in today's game, you know, I, I've not seen a player quite like Chet Holmgren at, at seven feet tall with a wingspan that goes to like seven six or seven seven. Uh, he's ridiculously skilled, can really shoot it. It's just sort of my old school mind. I've just never seen a guy, a body style like that in the NBA, except for maybe, you know, Sean Bradley or, or Kristaps Porzingis. And, but, but he's different than Bradley because he's, I think he's tougher um, and, 
but he also is way more skilled. You know, he can grab a rebound and bring the ball up, go behind his back, pass it. Uh, he knocks threes down with regularity. And since the game, it, both NBA and college, kind of gone away from low post play, he's not expected to be a five man, even though he's seven feet tall. He's a perimeter big. Uh, but Jabari Smith, he's the one I like the best. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the best shooter. Uh, and, you know, he's 6'10", and he's got a ridiculously high release on that shot. It, it it's, reminds you, it's not, he's not Kevin Durant, but it reminds you of Kevin Durant, the way he shoots it. Um, but he's actually a, a more fluid shooter, and he, he can block shots. Uh, he can switch uh, onto multiple positions and a, a good defender that plays really hard. He's just not, uh, he's not a, a big time rebounder. He, you know, grabs seven, eight rebounds a game, which is really good, but you know, he's not, he's not grabbing 10 or 12 and he's not a, a big time offensive rebounder, but he, he's, he's my preference. But I think if you canvas the league, it'd probably be three to one for, uh, for Holmgren. When you, when you look at this draft, you know, you got so many guys coming out of Duke and the one guy that we liked here in Chicago before he started getting all the hype was Mark Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with his ability, first of all, with the the, the reach that he has, yeah. the ability to block shots, rebound. Uh, and as you talked about, the new NBA where bigs have to switch out in the pick and roll and have the ability to stay in front of smaller players. I thought he would be perfect uh, for the Bulls, but it looked like he's going to go much higher now. My guess is, Stacey, he'll probably go around the top 10, but he could he could drop down. I mean, if he survives, you know, 13, 14, I'd be shocked uh, because he is a, a very good athlete. Um, he His body uh, measures out to be like another Rudy Gobert. And uh, lob threat uh, plays above the rim, blocks a ton of shots, changes a ton of shots, runs the floor. His hands are really good. Uh, he's not a stretch big. Uh, and, and while he does move his feet pretty well, he did get taken advantage of at times in high pick and roll situations. I mean, I know when they played North Carolina, Hubert Davis kept going to that and putting him in those ball screens, to get him away from the basket. And it really was a little bit of a challenge for him, but you know, he's still, you know, 19 years old. So he'll figure a lot of that stuff out, but you don't see many Rudy Gobert's running around no. and he's actually probably a little bit better at this stage of his career, better offensively than Gobert. He, he's not a shooter yet. Um, but I think he'll he'll develop a little more there. But his ability to you know catch lobs, tip dunks, all that stuff, finish on the break, and he really does rim run very well. Uh, I agree with you. I think he's a kind of a gem in this draft. Uh, another guy, you know, a couple of guys like uh, Keegan Murray from Iowa, I think is going to go top five or six. Wow. Um, he's uh, uh, he's super super talented, and all he cares about is doing the things that um that equal winning you know like i think he's not spectacular except in he does the the things that you should do every play and when you add it up it's a spectacular performance if that makes sense yeah you know he's not going to be on instagram all the time but at the end of the game you know in college he averaged 23 points he's grabbing nine or ten rebounds a game he's blocking shots getting steals uh impacting the game in every way you want a player to and and his improvement from last year to this year He's, I think he's 21, maybe 22 years old, but his improvement from last year to this year was a quantum leap. And then the other guy I keep an eye on, even though he's probably a little bit further down in the draft, maybe the middle of it, is Malachi Branham of yes. Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of one of those sleeper players that, uh, that got a lot better from high school to the end of his freshman year at Ohio State. And uh, he kind of fits the suit uh, of the NBA. You know, a... Uh, He's a two, three that can shoot it mid range, get to the rim, finish long arms, super athletic, 
and just has a, a knack to score. Um, so I think he's going to be coveted in the draft. Hey, Jay, here in Chicago, the Bulls uh, have have their first round pick. It's at number 18. And last year, because of the injury to Patrick Williams, they were forced to play really undersized on the front line. They had Javante Green, who stands about 6'4", playing the power forward spot most of the season. And that hurt them at times, especially when they matched up with Milwaukee in the playoffs. If they go for size to, to maybe get a power forward to, to add to their front court, a guy I like is uh, E.J. Liddell, Branham's teammate at uh, Ohio State. I know most of the mocks have him going in the early 20s, so he should be there at 18. Do you think the Bulls might be better served, though, to try to reach for the stars and maybe go for one of the international kids like this uh, guy, 6'10 forward from Serbia named Nikola Jovic, I believe, and then there was also Usman Dang, uh, Jang, who was playing in New Zealand. Do you know much about those international guys? Do you think maybe with the Bulls in a situation where they can win now, a safer, experienced guy like Liddell might be better for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that depends on... on I, I think you take the best player wherever you are in the draft. And there may be some points at the draft where you say, you know what, we're not crazy about what's available here. Let's take a flyer on this young player mm-hmm. that may turn out to be this incredible find. Uh, I, I'm not risk averse in that way or wouldn't be, I'm not, I'm not risk averse at all. I don't have to make any picks, <laughs> but, but I, I kind of like the idea of w- when you're drafting in that spot, unless you feel like you've got some diamond in the rough where you can hit a, hit a home run, h- hit the position. Like if you're drafting 18 draft a player, that's going to be service. That's mm-hmm. going to service that number. And EJ Liddell is, is, is going to do that. Uh, he may be undersized as far as his height, but he's long. Um, he's really strong, uh, gets off the floor really well. He blocks and changes a ton of shots, especially given his size. And he moved from sort of a four position, played a little bit of five at Ohio state to, to then he played on the perimeter and guarded on the perimeter. I think the thing for Chris Holtman was, you know, he wanted to prove uh, Liddell wanted to prove that he could play away from the basket and defend away from the basket. And he did that last year. I mean, I don't think without, without Liddell, they would not have beaten Duke and in, in Columbus in that game uh, early on in the season. Um, so I, I think he'd be a, a great, and he's solid. You know, you know what you're going to get. And it's not like, uh, you know, at age 22, he's going to stop getting better. I don't know when that, when that <laughs> happened, when, yeah. when we started saying, well, the guy's 22 as if, as if, you know, the next step is a walker and assisted living. Um, now, remember, remember, Stacey, we were coming out, they were going, well, Tim Duncan's a rookie. He's got a lot to learn. Yep. He's 22, like four years in college. And now if he were coming out, they go, well, we know who he is. Yeah, yeah. he's reached his ceiling. Yeah, we know who he is. Um, so I don't know what it is about basketball that does that. But um, but I, I, I like the Liddell pick. Uh, but there are a number of ways you could go there. I mean, Tari Eason from LSU will probably be available at that point, or at least could be. Uh, and and he's super athletic and really guard people uh, and really run and uh, very active and athletic. So there are a lot of, a lot of options. And, you know, I don't know how many drafts we're going to have to go through where we, we spend all our time talking about the top guys and then somebody out of the middle of the draft becomes the best player. Yeah, we, we've seen that the last couple of years. Uh, another kid I really like is Jay Nivey from Purdue. Uh, I, I think he's just super athletic, yeah. uh, you know, strong body. I, I think he, I think he translates to the NBA very, very well. What do you think about him? I agree. I, I expect him to go right around the top five. You know, it could, he could go six, he could go four, he'd go three. I mean, you know, not everybody loves Paolo Bancaro at, at three. Uh, most people do, but not everybody does. But Ivy's really dynamic. Uh, really good, great in transition, good with the ball. 
uh, can go off the dribble. He's a, a, a good finisher. Uh, I do, you know, I do question a little bit. Um, I think he could be better defensively. I think he could guard harder and more focused. He's capable, but there are sometimes it didn't look like last year that, that the every play sort of want to was there in, in a college game. And even though I think, uh, you know, the uneducated may sort of bag on the NBA, like they don't guard people, they do. And, uh, and especially in the playoffs. And so I think he's going to have to ratchet that up a little bit and he's capable of that, but, but I, I really like him. He's one of those guys where, you know, it seems blasphemous to say, say this, but um, if his mental makeup is right, uh, he's got some Dwayne Wade type capabilities out on the floor. Uh, he just needs to, to bring those out on a more consistent basis. Jay, I asked Stacy about this earlier in the show. Uh, locally, a kid like Kofi Coburn put up like 21 points, 12 rebounds a game at Illinois. He may not even get drafted. Uh, I broadcast Windy City Bulls games. They had a kid named Daniel Oturu, who was a 20 and 10 kid at Minnesota. He can't find a spot in the league. Guys, guys, you know, just aren't getting taken among the top 60 picks who might have been top 10, top 15 selections back in the 90s. What do you think of that phenomenon? Do you think it's ever going to go the other way again? It's just, Mark, it's the way the game's going. Uh, the game's changed. I mean, it, it, there, there's an argument I, I, that I've made that, you know, I think it took us way too long in basketball to figure out how important the three-point shot really was, you know, sort of the asymmetrical threat that it is. I mean, it came in in 1987, just the year after I graduated. And, you know, I mean, I, it, the countless college coaches grumbled about it, about it's going to ruin the game. And, and it's, it, you know, it's almost like, you know, for, for people who hearken back to the mid-range jump shot and talk about nobody takes a 15-footer anymore. They don't take it for a reason. It's not an efficient shot. And, you know, you take it sometimes, you take it when it's open, you take it at the end of a clock, but you're not trying to get that shot. You know, when Stacy and I were playing in college, we were trying to get that shot. We had yeah. no three back then. And so defenses were packed in, and sometimes that was the best, best shot you could get. Uh, but for somebody like Kofi Coburn, um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a stud player, um, and he's really difficult to deal with. But the problem is, as you guys well know better than I do, it's one thing for him to establish a presence if they wanted to play low post on offense, but that is going to clog some things up and make, make it more difficult to drive it and all that. But he's got to go down the other and guard somebody. Yeah, that's a problem. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they don't like, you know, the, he doesn't have to, he's not going to be guarding Bill Cartwright or Charles Oakley these days. You know, they don't have those guys anymore. Um, he, he's going to have to guard down on the perimeter. He's going to be putting a lot of pick and rolls and, and he's going to have to guard cutters and switch and all that stuff. And that, that, that you don't see many guys like him in the league anymore. And it's for a reason it's because they're having a hard time, mm -hmm. you know, the old school way of, of, of playing is, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the dinosaur period in, in a way. And it's like baseball people who are going, God, I used to love, like, now it's just, uh, you know, home runs and strikeouts. And I used to love the hit and run. Well, if the hit and run worked, they'd do it. You know, <laughs> the, the home runs are working. Right. And, and that's why they're doing it. And it's the same. I think it's the same in the NBA and college. And even not to ram, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm rambling on this, but, you know, I, I, I always hear from my friends uh, that love college basketball. They'll say, well, I prefer college to the NBA. And I'll say, well, if you do, it's not for the basketball. It's for the environments or all that. Because mm -hmm. the NBA game, they make more passes per possession in 24 seconds than college teams make in 30. And uh, they move the ball. They move themselves. It's a more wide open game. Uh, and it's, it's a hell of a lot better played uh, th than college. College has a lot going for it. But 
uh, we're, we're kind of stuck in the old days of how the game's called and how it's uh, had the rules and all that stuff. And if we were, you know, if we were more like the NBA, it'd be a hell of a lot better game. Is is there some names out there, Jay, that no one's really talking about that you you know that could possibly slip in and catch some people off guard with where they're, where they're selected? Yeah, there, there's there's a, a kid at Kentucky who like is kind of being called a mystery man named Shaden Sharp. Yes, and he's a he's a wing and did not play this year at Kentucky, but he practiced. So you you know when when I would go to a Kentucky practice, I'm sitting here watching him on the side while the team's practicing. I'm I'm you know I've got a Kentucky game. I'm supposed to be watching the team, and I was watching Sharp the whole time because um, he's really a talented player. And you're going, God, when is he going to get out on the floor? So while, you know, he'll kill it in workouts and he killed it, you know, uh, on the side courts in practice, he can really shoot it and he's really athletic and, and smooth. Like he just glides around on the floor. You know, I think you could see him go higher than people expect. I mean, there's a possibility he could go in the, in the top five, frankly, wow. uh, and, and move out a guy like Ivy or Murray uh, because he is young and he's got a ton of upside. He can really shoot it. But you're, you're, because you haven't seen much of him, nobody really has uh, in this last year. I haven't seen him in five-on-five five competition. Um, you know, you're not going to know as much. And that's sort of the – it's always been the difficulty, frankly, for me in, in making my evaluations of players. And, look, I'm hopefully I'm right more often than I'm wrong, but I've been plenty wrong in the past. But when you watch him in a workout, um, I'm not sure I should watch workouts anymore because <laughs> I don't know – it's it's uh you know it's kind of like kind of like seeing a uh seeing a person in shape at the gym you know you say boy that that person's really in shape man what an athlete well it doesn't mean they can play five on five um and uh and you know it's a five on five game you know it's not a it's not a workout hey jay we joked about the nil earlier in the in our, in our interview and you combine that with the transfer portal it is totally shaken up the world of college basketball how much of an impact have those two factors had on the college game? It has, Mark, made an impact, but I don't think it's been particularly negative. It's just you're, you're listening to the coaches complain because they're losing a degree of control. And it, it's really kind of hard for me. I love these coaches. I absolutely love them. And, uh, and I would do anything for them. But I, I'm having a hard time listening to them complain about this. Like, mm-hmm. like, so the players get to factor money into their decisions now. Well, guess what? So does the rest of the world. It's not that big of a deal. Every student, uh, every non-athlete student factors in money to their college decisions. How much does it cost to go to school here? Am I getting scholarship money? What does rent cost around that area? What does it cost for housing? Uh, all these different things. They make those decisions uh, every year. And, and coaches make those decisions. You know, it, it sort of strains the mind when a coach will will just hire an assistant off of somebody else's team and the assistant wants to be paid more than he's making now. So they have to make him an offer that that's going to, you know, get him away from his current job. And then they complain about somebody, um, you know, like having to deal with a, a player asking for, you know, having to make an offer for a player. You know, how is it any different? It's not any different. You just did it, 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 but it, but it's business with the coach. And then they call it a bidding war with uh, when it's a player. It's not a bidding war. It's just business. Like make your offer. I, you guys probably know this, but earlier in the year, and this was reported. So who knows how much of it is true? I'm just going with the report as if true. So a player from Kansas State transferred to uh, Miami, basketball player named Nigel Pack, and yeah, it was reported that. to have gotten a, gotten a two-year NIL deal for 400000 a year. 
Well, uh, their best player at the time, Isaiah Wong, said, well, that's more than I've got. So, I mean, I want more or I'm going to go into the portal or I'm going to go pro. And people were like, oh, my God, this is what we feared most is the players are revolting. Like he just said, look, pay me what I'm worth or I'm going to I'm going to leave. And and the I guess the guy running the collective said, no, we already made our deal with you. We're sticking with it, whatever he said. And and Wong wound up coming back. So everything was fine. Everybody made their decisions. You know, if Miami wanted to pay more, they could have. They chose not to. And Wong could have left and he chose to come back. It was pretty orderly, but it's just different from what we're used to. And, you know, back when Stacy and I were in school, I mean, we joked about the under the table stuff, but, you know, the NCAA and the coaches ruled with an iron fist. Yeah. You know, they said they said my way or the highway. Well, guess what? Now you can take the highway. So if you say (laughs) my way or the highway, they get to take the highway. And, uh, and it's going to be like any other business. You're going to have to, you know, but the coaches are making more money than the school is paying out in scholarships. And so, you know, the, the truth is the players are worth way more than any other asset in college sports. And, uh, and we're going to have to deal with it because uh, they've got some of their economics right now. And before long, uh, they're going to have all of their economic rights and be able to bargain for their full, full value. And now, you know, Coach K is retiring. The great Coach K is, is leaving the program. And you got John Shire there, who's in, is, who's in pretty good hands. I think he's a good young coach. Is Coach K going to step away, or is he going to have a consultant role in the program? Oh, Stacey, he's going to step away. In fact, I was just looking at the uh, National Pickleball rankings, and Coach K <laughs> has moved way up yeah, now that real? he's able to practice. Yeah, he and his wife, Mickey, uh, are a, a, a pickleball team. And, you know, I mean, he's too young for shuffleboard, but pickleball's right up his alley. So, uh, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of him in those, uh, you know, ESPN3, you know, the pickleball <laughs> championships. But he's going to be around. He's still keeping his office. Uh, I don't know how often he'll be there, but uh, but I think it's going to be really good for John Shire, who is his own person. Like John does not need help, but but for all of us, when 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 advice and help is available, it's a nice thing. So Coach K will be around, uh, but I don't think he's the type that'll hover or be a distraction. Um, but it'll be I think it'll be nice that if John or any any member of his staff have uh, have a question about maybe trying to manage something with the administration or what's the what best way to just to get ideas. And Coach K is always, at least in my experience with him over the last probably 40 years, he, he, he doesn't like offer you advice as much as he helps you ask yourself the right question mm. and or questions. And that, that, that's always been really effective. Like when I've asked him about things. He's always gotten me to ask myself the right questions, and then then I can make the best and most informed decision. And uh, it's a it's a nice little way to help uh, I think help guide someone uh, where you're not just saying, "All right, here's what you do." You know, hey, when in my day we did this. Uh, you know, he doesn't he doesn't do that. He's he's much uh, much better than that. Hey, Jay, before we let you go, uh, I just want to follow up on that. Uh, how what was it like for you covering that as a member of the media coach K's farewell tour did you find yourself getting caught up in it at times especially when he gets to the final four and maybe has a chance to watch his team cut down the nets one more time yeah I mean it was uh, it was challenging in certain spots of the year for most of the year the the challenge was with, with my ESPN colleagues what was let's not overdo this mm-hmm. you know let, let's not go hey it's the last time coach K is putting his socks on and little John Coliseum <laughs> you know who cares 
it, it was more let's let's you know keep our powder dry till the end of the season when it, it's really going to be at the forefront of everyone's minds and it's going to make make sense to everyone. I mean, the last thing I wanted was for the average basketball fan to be rolling their eyes every time they heard about you know Coach K's impending retirement. Um, it was a, it was a little bit of a challenge in the last uh, game at Cameron, uh, the Duke North Carolina game, because there were so many former players back. Uh, and, you know, I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it wasn't a question of objectivity. It was sort of a question of, you know, how are you going to feel? I mean, it, it, I think anybody watching that has to feel something that Coach K has been a part of this game and a big part of it for so long. You know, we're saying goodbye to a, a, a fixture in the game almost and, uh, and an, you know, an, a no unquestionable icon. The interesting part, the final four was, uh, to me, a little bit unexpected that they got there. I, I didn't, I thought with their draw, they might get beat, you know, in the elite eight, but uh, when they got there, there was this gravy feeling that whatever happens, you know, it's going to be great, but it was interesting. I was calling the games for ESPN international. So I was right next to the CBS position down, down low, uh, almost center court. And uh, you know, when you're calling the international games, I'm a huge star in, uh, in Sweden. Now my NIL deals <laughs> in, in Sweden and Latvia have gone through the roof, but when, when North Carolina won, it was a really interesting feeling for me because I had worked so long with Hubert Davis uh, at ESPN. We're, we're great friends. And I was so happy for him and his team was running around. And then I looked down the other end and Coach K was walking off the floor. And so, you know, it's, it's his last time walking off the floor, but I didn't feel sad. Um, I felt grateful. Um, grateful, obviously, for all he's done for me. Uh, and it, and that those the, what he's done for me, you can't put into put into perspective or words it's so profound but also what he's meant to uh to the game and to the american sports landscape um you know it was just sort of a gratitude feeling it was kind of nice honestly it was a nice feeling rather than lamenting the end of something um because he's still going to be around uh and i will you know he watched me play high school basketball i know he's recruiting me but i'm going to go to all his pickleball games i'm going to be very supportive <laughs> and make sure make sure i'm there with a cold towel and maybe some chamomile tea afterwards old ben gay uh i'm going to be there for him like he's been there for me that's awesome that's awesome I, I tell you what jay we really appreciate you coming on man your insight on the college basketball is unbelievable well, Stacy, Mark, thank you guys for having me. I'm big fans of yours, as you know, and uh, really appreciate being with you. Yeah, Jay, as we say goodbye, you might want to know that we are the number one rated basketball podcast in Finland, so we got something in common <laughs> with you, okay? <laughs> Man, you know, we joke about it, but I'll tell you what, like, I, Viking love is important to me. Absolutely. I want the Vikings to like it. <laughs> I feel you, Jay. Jay, thank you so much. Remember to watch Jay when the NBA draft rolls around. That's coming up on June 23rd. He'll be doing all the preview stuff for ESPN. Does great work throughout the season. Jay Billis, our special guest on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast show. Windy City Limousine provides a championship service. Making a reservation is so easy, it's a slam dunk. Let Windy City break the full court pressure of traffic and get you to your destination in style and on time. Contact Windy City at 866-94-WINDY. That's 866-94-WINDY. And tell them Stacy King sent you.
Stacey King of the Chicago Bulls, also the host of the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast show. If you like hot sauces and barbecue sauce, then you are listening to the right show. Give Me the Hot Sauce has the best small batch organic sauces to spice up your kitchen. Chicago-style red sauce with a garlic twist, our St. Pat's Verde Green sauce with extra avocado and cilantro, and our King's Q, a bold, spicy, and sweet hot sauce that'll spice up your chicken. And we also have one of the hottest hot sauces in our stable, the Chicago Fire 1871, which will have you call a 911. Use code Hot Sauce 21 to get 21% off your first order. That's Hot Sauce 21 and get 21% off your first order. And that's gimmethehotsauce.com. Thank you. Episode 81 to Give Me the Hot Sauce rolls on. We hope you appreciate that great draft analysis from Jay Bellis talking about some of the top prospects in the draft as well as some of the guys who will be available when the Bulls select at number 18. Stacey, I I thought it was fascinating. A lot of the stuff, he has some such great insight into watching so many great college games throughout the year. I mean, he's going to give it to you straight in terms of who the Bulls maybe have a shot at this year. Yeah, I mean, I look at him and Kirk Herbstreet for the college football as two of the best analysts when it comes to college sports. Um, Jay Billis, like, I mean, he just rattled off guys. You know, you we hit him with some names. He knew exactly who they were, their stats, where they're how they're going to, you know, come to the NBA and how they're going to, you know, transcend to the NBA. Uh, just really, really good an, uh, analysts. I, I love listening to him. And if you're watching the live Twitch feed or if you're watching on YouTube, you notice that uh, Timmy Whispers has joined the fray. And there is a reason for that. If you uh, caught last week's episode with Trey Young, he, uh, his question almost ended the interview. So we, we had to make sure that he didn't offend our guest again. You got, you got anything to say about that, Tim? Well, I had a list of offensive questions for Jay, but uh, Stacy reviewed them and said, you're not part of the second. <laughs> I, I had to call him last night before the show, and I had to, I had to ask him. What questions are you going to ask our guests right. tomorrow? I need to know. If a bird landed on his head. But <laughs> yeah, tell us some of the questions you're going to ask him. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, one was about his uh, being roasted in, in Kentucky and then how he calmed the, the crowd down by saying, you all need a lot of therapy. He did actually say that. <laughs> yeah. He was, I guess, with the Kentucky Derby. And then a bird landed on his head. That's a- <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. So, so the Kentucky Duke, because, you know, the, the Kentucky-Duke rivalry. Sure. Christian Layton hitting yeah. a game-winning shot against Kentucky. Everybody in Kentucky hates anything that has to do with Duke. So he, I guess he was doing an uh, appearance at the Kentucky Derby, and uh, he got booed mercifully. Boo! <laughs> boo! I mean, like, really booed. And uh, well, That's a Louisville crowd, too. Yeah, it was a Louisville crowd. But he, he got booed big time, man. And uh, he, he's a funny dude. Like, he's a funny yeah. guy. I mean, even in the interview, you hear him. He's got a great personality, a little comedy. Um, he was a funny dude. So he, he handled it with, uh, with humor. Stacey, I know you want to talk a little bit of boxing. It seems like some of the uh, the lighter yes. weight divisions are showing some superstar potential. Yes, you know, as a UFC fan, you know, um, I felt the UFC was taking over combat sports. But boxing is coming back. <laughs> so all of my little boxing fans out there, I hope you saw this weekend's fight. Javante Davis versus Rolando Roley Romero. The guy did talked his way into a title fight. Talked all this trash, said he's going to knock out Javante Davis in the first round, and he went to sleep himself in the sixth. Yeah, it was um, 
There's an explosive fight. I mean, um, you know, when you're watching this boxing now, you know, normally it used to be the heavyweights, you know, but the the, the power boxing now is, is you know, the, the lower weight classes, you know, lightweight, welterweight, middleweight, super middleweight. Uh, you've got uh, Earl Spence. The fight's coming up with him and Terrence Crawford, who's, who's a welterweight champion. That's going to be an electric fight. Um, you got Canelo now who just lost. He's coming back down. He's going to fight Triple G. Which I thought, you know, this will be their third fight. Canelo won both of them, but I thought Triple G won the first one, so it should be a rubber match. Uh, it'll be a good one. But, you know, Canelo is younger than Triple G. Triple G is getting up there in age, kind of taking a little bit too much. So the fight doesn't mean the same. Um, you know, you got the Charlo twins that are dominating their division. I mean, there's some really, really you got a big fight. Devin Haney in Australia uh, fighting George Combosis, uh, who won the title. Um, from uh, Teofimo uh, uh, Lopez, uh, took the title from him. And so Devin Haney now is going down there in the lightweight division to try to win the, the lightweight championship in uh, Cambosa's backyard, which is tough. They didn't allow um, – this is how, how cheap the Australian uh, people are down there. They, they wouldn't let, they wouldn't let uh, Devin Haney's dad travel with him, his head trainer. So most of his team is not going down there with him. He's going down there with some – some fill-ins, which is tough to do, but the kid is talented, super talented. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fights, you know, a lot of fights coming up. Um, that's really worth watching. I think it could be like in the 1980s when more people were interested in the welterweight and middleweights than they were in the heavyweights. Because yeah. back then you had, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard and uh, Marvin Hagler, Hitman Hearns. Well, and, and you know, you like excitement. You like to see mm -hmm. people get knocked out. You know, people want to see the best fighters fighting each other. That's what you had with, you know, Hegler and Hearns and, you know, Hegler and Sugar Ray Leonard and Sugar Ray Leonard and Duran. That's what got boxing to a pinnacle. And they kind of gotten away from that. And now you got these younger fighters. There's so many talented fighters between that 135 and 147 pound range. I mean, there's some superstar kids, uh, a lot of championship fights to be made there, which will bring boxing back up. Still, UFC is still right now, in my opinion, as far as uh, the gate and as far as the excitement and making the, you know, the best fighters fight each other. Right now, UFC is still ahead, but boxing is gaining ground. Wish we could have seen uh, Whispers in his, his heyday fighting. <laughs> you can just see the scars now. Hey. <laughs> Listen. Hey, for people who missed that, that story, tell, tell the folks no, no, again about yeah. why you got involved in it. Why I got involved in MMA? Yeah. Well, that's because I was being bullied like all kids. But no, that's not, that's not the case. <laughs> he, he started fighting at 30. He was still getting bullied. Getting bullied. <laughs> still getting picked up. Oh, my God. By my employees. Oh, my God. By his employees. <laughs> Pavel. Pavel was bullying him. He was. He was picking on me. But uh, no, it was, it was for my son. And then, uh, of course, then I like anything, it, it ignites the inner ego and then you have to get going. So then I found myself in the ring sparring with Andre Olavsky and took a good right <laughs> hook and cut open my left eye. And, and as I was bleeding on the mat, said, I'm, I'm paying for this. And he said, yes. <laughs> now, did he knock you out? Uh, pretty much. I mean, I was just dazed and... And, and confused. Explains a lot, doesn't it, Stacy? <laughs> yeah, it does. I, I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna tell you something, America Bulls Nation. Listen to me. Don't don't be don't be caught off guard by Tim getting knocked out by a UFC heavyweight champion. Uh, Tim's got a good knuckle game. Don't sleep. If I had to go down an alley, Timmy Whispers would be really, right there with me, and I would not be afraid whatsoever if we had to fight five or six people because Timmy Whispers <laughs> can throw them things. He's been known to choke people out. Don't sleep. That's true. Don't sleep. Except I did get choked up by Damian Maya too, but that's another story. 
Damn, you just got your ass kicked by everybody. <laughs> it's <laughs> a badge of honor have, for Whispers. Have, have you hey, won a fight? Hey, they were both champions in the UFC. I, I mean, have you beaten anybody? Yeah, well, my sister. No. Oh, actually, wow. Actually, she knocked me out. Too. Oh, wow. That's a, that, He's got yeah, twin sisters. That's true. He's got a twin sister. Yeah. Hey, we want to thank everybody who's been participating on the Twitch chat. We got a question, oh, got Stacey, a question. from oh, uh, yeah. Barka oh. Gang. He's asking, you know, there's more fights really in all the weight classes. His question basically is, is it because there's more talented fighters or because they're getting less money, they have to fight more often? No, it's just more talented fighters. I mean, these guys still are making money. Um, you know, with, with the social media, these guys now are in social media. As we're starting to figure out, you know, social media is huge. I mean, there's a guy named Ryan Garcia who has, you know, 15 million followers, and he hasn't really beaten anybody, but he always has his name in the big fights, and he still won't fight anybody. He always pulls out. You know, it's like one of those things like, I want to fight Tank. I want to fight this guy. And, then, and when the fight's made... I, I, I don't want to fight right now. I've got to, I got to do grocery shopping. He has all kinds of excuse. And so, you know, um, he, but he has a following. And, and boxing is starting to get popular because at the lower weight classes from that lightweight division, 135 to I, I say 168, I mean, there are some killers there. And there's a lot of fights to be made. Those guys just have to fight each other because a lot of times it comes down to negotiation. Who has the most titles? Who brings in the most crowd? Who's going to be the A guy and who's going to be side B? Mm-hmm. And that's where you get into a lot of problems in these promoters. You know, they have a lot to do with it. Barbara Aram, you know, he's, he's very tough to negotiate with. A lot of people don't want to negotiate with his fighters. That's why Terrence Crawford is leaving to, to be able to make the fights that he wants to make the money that he wants. Yeah, I know you had a question earlier when we were talking basketball. One of the Twitch folks wanted to ask you a question. Oh, yes. Okay. This is... To Mr. Gumby World, his question to us was, do you think Acme, which is AK and Mark Eversley, goes for a backup or starting big in the offseason, wondering where Vooch will slot in next year? Well, Vooch ain't going nowhere. No. He's not going. He First, I think he's under – next year's his last year. He'll be a free agent after next year. And Vooch, is, you're going to get a good Vooch, I think. I think you're going to get you know, his contract year. Highly motivated. Yeah, highly motivated Vooch. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Um, you know, they're going to, they're going to get, they're going to find someone. Like I said, there, everybody's not going to get paid in free agency. Everybody's not going to get the big contract. You're going to be able to find some really good players. Now the question for the bulls is, do we get a guy who's young, 25, 26 years old that we can develop and not have to pay him super, super high money, that mid-level exception, and then he's, he hasn't reached his prime yet. There's a lot of guys out there, man. There's guys on teams' benches that you've seen come in and play well, just don't get a lot of playing time. You know, mm-hmm. like you look at look at Milwaukee and Pat Connaughton. You know, I think he's a free agent this year. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people trying to get him because, of one, he can shoot the ball, he stretch the defense, he's athletic, he can defend, and he's going to have some people try to get him. So there's guys like that on, on teams' benches that you're going to be able to, you know, basically make a run at. We'll talk a little bit of baseball before we get out of here. Both Chicago teams have been kind of treading water right now. Win one, lose one. Win two, lose two. White Sox, though, are – Falling behind the Minnesota Twins, last I looked, they were, they were four and a half games behind in the division, and they lost Tim Anderson oh. to a groin injury. Uh, the expectation is he's going to miss at least three weeks, but when it happened, they had to help him off the field. There was thought he could be lost for months. Could this Is this the signs of, you, you know, you played at the highest level. Sometimes things just don't go right, and they kind of snowball for you. Baseball's Man. a long season, but you don't want to fall too far behind. Whew. Last week we were just talking about the White Sox getting healthy 
and mm-hmm. being able to turn it on in the second half. Oh man, White Sox fans, I feel your pain right now. This is yeah. kind of this is kind of what the Bulls went through this year. You know, you, you go off and start off great, and everything's great, no injuries, and then all of a sudden the injury bug hits, COVID hits, and it completely wrecks your whole season. And you know they're not going to be the only team. There's going to be other teams that go through this too. So they just gotta they just gotta try to hold on. Last year they had so much depth. You know, they had quality depth. So guys were able to fill in. They were able to, you know, you know, not miss too much of, of the guys who were out. And then when they got those guys out, they were stronger at the end. So it might be tougher this year. Whispers, I had a good friend who's a passionate Cubs fan, and he always gets angry on Twitter, and he puts all these crazy comments on there. and says, people shouldn't go to the games anymore because the Ricketts won't spend any money. Well, people love going to Wrigley Field because – Great bar area, restaurants around there. It's fun to sit in the bleachers and and, and uh, swap stories with your buddies and drink some beers. What what is, what is the best thing for fans to do to try to send a message to Cubs ownership that you're not happy with the current state of the team? Stop buying that fifteen dollar beer. <laughs> <laughs> much better price here at the uh, Hustle and Flow Studio. Yeah, it's much better price. Yeah, yeah, it's free. <laughs> it's free, America. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough message. Um, and the ten dollar hot dogs. Yeah, yeah. You, you better take a lot of money if you're going to go to a ball game. There's no question about it. Yeah, and they're yeah. collecting the rooftops now, too, and those are no bargain either. No, they're not. No. Man, it used to be a great place, the rooftop. We used to yeah, go there all the time. It used to be the thing. Oh. Yep, and now that's, you know. now that's a $15 beer and a $10 hot dog. Oh, man. Oh, the rooftops yeah. were great memories. Still is a great atmosphere at Wrigley Field. That's why those, those stands yes. are packed almost every game. Hey, uh, before we finish up, let's get some finals predictions. Let's start with whispers. Who do you like, uh, the, War- the Warriors or the Celtics, and how many games? I'm going to go Warriors in six, and uh, I think it'll be Steph's first MVP. Yeah, people are saying that, that that's the big thing missing on his resume, that he's never a finals MVP. I think that's overstated, but overstated. I guess that's somebody's opinion. But the way he's been playing this year, I can see it. Yeah, I know. Man, I think he's going to go seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think Boston's defense, and, and it all depends on health for them. You know, if Williams can stay healthy, um, Marcus Smart, can't, you can't miss any games in the finals. Can't have guys sitting out one or two games in the finals and one team being healthier than the other because whoever's the healthiest is going to win. Boston's defense is going to give them a, a puncher's chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I see Golden State winning in seven. Yeah, originally I was thinking I was going to take Boston, but the more I think about it, it's tough to handle that Golden State defense. It's not, like we talked about earlier, it's not like they're just jacking up threes. It's constant motion. You're going to get in foul trouble. They're going to get to the free throw line where they have some of the best free throw shooters in the history of the game. I just feel like with Steve Kerr and that group and their finals experience, I think the Warriors are going to find a way to win it. I think it'll go seven, though. I think Boston will extend them. I think each team will win one in the other team's building and all come down to play for all the marbles in game seven. Well, and I think if Boston wants to have a chance, you've got to, you've got to punish Steph defensively because they do a great job of hiding him. You know, he doesn't – he's not a typical switch guy. and hold, I mean, they, they push him to where they need him to go, wherever the mismatch is. So most of the time in a pick and roll, he's diving into the paint to guard a Horford or a Williams in the paint. And that's where Boston has to punish him. You cannot let him just, you know – Rest on offense and be able. I mean, rest on defense and be able to kill you on offense. You got to punish him on any pick and roll switches. If they switch, he switches to a big on a. You go right into the post, force a double team, swing the ball, find your open shooters. You got to punish him. One more question from the Twitch chat before we say goodbye. Uh, young Jordan asked Stacy, "Chances we get Mitchell Robinson of the Knicks or Mo Bamba of the Magic?" Now you'd have to. Those guys are restricted free agents, but as we said, AK uh, is a Wheeler dealer. 
Well, you know, depending on who uh, Orlando drafts, I think they're gonna they're gonna let Mo Bamba go. Uh, I don't know if they'll do a situation where they'll they'll try to trade him for a pick or something, um, because they're gonna get a good player at, at number one. I mean, they're gonna get they're gonna get either Holmgren, they're gonna get Smith, they're gonna get one of those two guys, which is now. You've got a surplus of front court players because you got to remember Orlando's got Isaac, Jonathan Isaac coming back. Yep. Okay. You got Wendell Carter who played well for him last year. I mean, they've got a big front line to go along with the nice guards that they have. So, there, there, that might be the team next year that takes that step that you saw Cleveland take this year. Right. It's a surprise team of the Eastern Conference that didn't make the playoffs this year, but they got enough talent, enough young talent now to make that leap up to be to make some noise and, and, and claim one of those playoff spots. Mitchell Robinson would be nice as a rim protector for the Bulls. Yeah, but if I had to take the two, if you're asking me, if I'm playing GM in the chair, I'm taking Bamba because the fact that Bamba is, is also a rim protector, but he's also kind of like Clint Capella. You know, he can switch out and guard smaller, uh, smaller players and contest shots. Uh, he's a better three-point shooter than uh, Mitchell Robinson. At least he takes more threes. R- Mitchell Robinson is, is really a six-and-in guy. You know, roll to the basket, uh, rim finisher, rim punisher. Um, but uh, Bamba can do a lot of different things. He, he's, a, he's a poor man's Clint Capella, and I think put in the right situation – and, and you can get him to get his confidence. Because in this league with young players, I mean, there's a reason why that kid was drafted number five in the draft, okay? He didn't forget how to play basketball. If one thing he can do is rim protect. And that's all we would need him here in Chicago. We just, hey, big fella, we just need you. To, anything comes to the, to the basket, it, hey, it's a block party. And make sure you send out invitations. That's what we need you to do. <laughs> you know, I noticed a lot of chatter on, on Twitter this week about uh, the hot sauce. People are really enjoying it. And one guy I know was asking, can you make it a little hotter? And you showed him the picture. <sighs> yes. You showed him the picture. Yes. said, this is where you got to go. Listen, you know what? I'm on Twitter. And people, he said, first of all, the guy said, I forgot his name. I wish I had his name right now. But he sent me a plate of food. Yeah. Like, it, it first of all, it was bland. It had no, no sauce or nothing <laughs> on it. Like, I didn't care. If you ain't got my hot sauce, put some Cholula or something on it. And so I'm looking at No, no, at, don't do that. No, no, the no. Guy, yours no, no, your no, no, no. I wouldn't have my hot sauce. But if he didn't have my hot sauce, he didn't know about my yeah. hot sauce, which he didn't know. Okay. You should have had something. Put some yeah. water on it or something. <laughs> I'm like, damn. You know, man, give it some moisture. And so I said, so I said, hey, man, why don't you have my hot sauce on there? And he's like. You have hot sauce? I didn't know you had hot sauce. Yeah, see? I said, okay. So I sent him the pictures of the bottle. And they went, uh, he went and ordered it. So shout out to them. I think we probably sold probably uh, about 10 bottles off Twitter. We're here to spread the word. So go to yeah. gimmethehotsauce.com. For delicious flavors. Yeah. And we're coming out with a surprise fifth. But we're not telling you when. <laughs> Stacey, secret sauce. Secret sauce. Oh, she'll like it too. <laughs> oh, we're, we're going in the oh, wrong direction oh, here. Oh, yeah, we are. We just took a turn down the wrong road. D, I think, it's, I think it's time to fire up the music. Oh, what, yes. what do you think? As, as, we, as we bring an end to 81 you and give me the hot sauce, I want to thank Jay Bellows, who was an outstanding guest, gave us all kinds of great intel on the upcoming NBA draft. And, and for people on the Twitch chat are asking if we're censoring whispers, we're not. We're just messing no, around. No, he, had, messing. he had a high-level <laughs> business meeting, and he couldn't join us. He was trying to make some money. He tried to collect the bag. That's right. America. Drive home safely. Chicago, beep beep. See you next week.